on to the everything is black and white podcast i'm andrew musgrove today joined by chris woff and mark douglas lots to talk about mark with the newcastle united releasing the, the minutes for the fans forum but we'll start briefly on that game against west brom which of course ended one nil to west brom the bottom of the league it was kind of just a a similar performance to what we'd seen the week before at everton newcastle candidates would not have steamed towards the end of the season yeah i think it's it's one of these things where you, you recognise that Newcastle are a, a team that relies so much on effort and determination and concentration. I think as well as much as anything, they need to get everything right um, for this team to, to to reach the levels that they've reached in twenty eighteen so far. And I think I think it's more. It's not necessarily a lack of effort. It's a lack of. I think that you know it's you just like you said run out of steam you, you may be just not concentrating quite as much as they were there were occasions on Saturday where they took the wrong decision they were you know they didn't they just didn't look as as sort of sharp as they had done the previous weeks and I think in some ways it's actually not a bad thing that, that it's been a reminder that their level is not naturally where they've been in 2018 the level is probably somewhere between as bad as they've been in the last two games and as good as they were at the start of 2018 um not too worried really because they're safe and we hope that whatever happens in the summer they're going to come back a different a team that looks different from what they are now but it would be a real shame to lose the last final three games and let it all peter out and maybe even drop into the bottom half of the table because um, they've done so well to this this point and, and it's there for them I think if they win on Saturday and potentially get four points they'll probably finish in the top half and it would be the least that they deserve. Chris, I mean, Rafa will be angry at the way his, his teams have performed over the last two games. He's got a strong record um, in all the previous other clubs he's been at where he's finished the, the season really strongly to lose these two games. I think that's only nine out of some like 60 that he's lost Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle in the final seven games. But he's going to be, he won't be happy at the performances. Well, he was angry post game, which we haven't seen that much. And I think that there was just the frustration that he'd kept the same players who'd done so well when he really had seriously contemplated bringing in some of the fringe players and I think that he regretted that after the game because I don't think he realised that, that that level had gone slightly. In terms of from fans and from journalists' point of view, I don't think you can get overly angry because they've achieved what they needed to early this season. We're not in a nervous situation where they could still go down as we usually are where it's either promotion or relegation later on. And I mentioned it last week, it's very difficult when you've achieved what your ultimate goal was to then lift yourself and go again. We saw with Brighton when they dropped off last season, when promotion was the be-all and end-all for them. Newcastle would keep going because they expected to win the championship. Newcastle's goal this season was 40 points in survival. To then lift yourself and go again, having given so much effort for over a two-month period where you've really lifted yourself up, is difficult. But Benitez is a born winner. He doesn't like losing he won't want to lose any sort of momentum and so I expect to see a few changes this weekend bring things and freshen up the team obviously we'll get on to it we're not going to see Islam Slomani um, not that he started the weekend anyway but I just think that the team needs an injection of, of of a couple of players who have a point to prove because the rest of them really don't well, that is the next point I mean how daft from Islam Slomani to do that I mean you know you, you know that if you want to be at Newcastle United, you've got to use the next three three games um, to prove yourself and he kicks out meaningless pointless action and now he's banned and, and won't pull the black and white shirt again it was a strange moment I mean most of us didn't really see it at the time it was in the aftermath of uh, that we saw the replays and just seemed completely unnecessary but possibly that pent up frustration from the loan spell in general build up within him it hasn't worked out how he'd have liked it to didn't appear for the first two months 
only started one game, come on three times. Yes, he's had a role in a couple of reasonably important goals, but it just hasn't quite worked out for him. And there isn't a long-term future for him at Newcastle, and we're not going to see him in a Newcastle shirt again. And it's frustrating, and really, it will annoy Benitez as well because part of the reason why I got rid of Alexander Mitrovic in January was for the disciplinary issues and the guys brought in, albeit bottom of the list, has has come out and done a similar sort of needless act. Seen people talk about it being a wasteful loan deal mark but like Chris says he's had his hand in two reasonably important goals you know you're paying two million for the loan mm-hmm. fee compare that to what you'd lose if you slipped in the championship it's it's not really been as well, wasteful as some might say I think for the impact that it had at, for what he's actually done on the pitch it has been a waste and it's not it's not worked there's no way you could you'd say that but I think probably the message that it sent to the fans and to the players as well, that they had somebody in the building who could potentially challenge um, Dwight Gale and uh, and the other you know, the other strikers as well. It did lift their levels. I think Gale's level improved, although he hasn't scored the goals. His all round play has been pretty good. It also pacified us in the media and the supporters a little bit to the, know that they've got this player in. Um, we all felt a little bit of worry at the start that he was injured because that. You know, that was a really bad sign, I think, that he was injured at the start because it meant that he couldn't come in straight away. So we did feel like a little bit of nervousness there. But it did... Look, they had to sign somebody at that point. If they hadn't signed anybody and they'd, and they'd have either kept Mitrovic, who Rafa wasn't going to play, or not signed anybody, I think the, the, the impact would have been really negative. So, look, it's, you know, from a symbolic point of view, it was important that they got somebody in. But it's been another... It's another good example of how not to do transfers... You don't leave until the last day of the, the last two, three days of the transfer window because you're left with maybe one or two options. He was the only option there, but he got injured that week of the final deadline. So he was always playing catch up. And, and you know, when you see some players can come back and they're straight away, they're back into it. Newcastle were chasing two players in that final window, Daniel Sturridge and Islam Slimani. Well, Sturridge hasn't played for West Brom. Slimani hasn't played for Newcastle much. And this is the problem, you know, if you don't plan properly and you don't do things the way that Rafa wants them to be done, you leave yourself open to that. So, look, symbolically, it, it, they needed to make the signing. So you can't say it's been an utter failure um, from that perspective. But in terms of, you know, look, Rafa put so much work into sourcing the right striker and things. And, and as Chris said, Slimani would be at the bottom of the list probably. Um, although I think he's got talent and he showed that. Um, in, in certain spells but it's just a great example of how not to do transfers and if Newcastle left until the last week of August without a striker again um, and we're all sitting here talking about the same thing we probably won't be talking about Rafa being here if that's the case by the way um, but if, if we're in the same situation again um, you know it, it will just be you know you'd be tearing your hair out because this is the opportunity for Newcastle to kick on they need to learn the lessons from the Slimani deal don't leave until the last minute don't sign somebody who's injured um, so that means no Andy Carroll, by the way, in case anybody's watching it. Um, and just don't don't do it. But symbolically, it was important to get somebody. One concern for me from the whole deal now is that over the last few weeks, Benitez has, has said that he needs experience. And the one concern I have is that my gosh, he's going to look at it and see you got a 29-year-old in January. Uh, he's going to be 30 next month. He spent £2 million on loan fee, paying most of his £80,000 a week wages. I've given all this out and he didn't give you anything. Now, Benitez will be able to shoot back and say, well, I wanted all these players and he didn't get me them. I got them last minute. But that is my one concern about the whole thing, that, that the more and more of these players over a certain age who Newcastle sign and it doesn't work out, 
the, the less chance Benitez is going to have of one to sign experienced players. Now that'll all be in the trans uh, the discussions he's having with the club going forward, but that will be another reason why I think you feel let down by Slomani in that regard too. It all went back to Sol Campbell. That's the reason the Newcastle United board and New- Mike Ashley doesn't want to sign experienced players because. They, when they let Chris Hewton have uh, free reign to sign a player, he, he went for Sol Campbell. Graham Carr advised against it because I think he'd worked with him at Notts County and seen that his, 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 his legs had gone, basically. Um, and they spent so much money on Sol Campbell that I think, effectively, that was the death knell for signing experienced players at Newcastle. Now, then Rafa went and signed Daryl Murphy last summer. And it, that, did, that did work, you know, that really did work in terms of what they needed to do. Um, it wasn't the fact that he was 29. It wasn't his age, was it? It was the fact that he was No, it's, it's not, but I'm just saying. Yeah, totally, I agree. And, uh, and then yeah. there's Jesus Gamez as well, which hasn't worked out. And there's yeah. another one that's here around, Sui, 33-year-old, he's saying he has, he's barely kicked a ball in anger. Um, but really, Benitez believes he needs greater experience, and I think that that would be something we've, we've said for a long while anyway. Daryl Murphy did make an impact last season. He may not have played until the turn of the year, but he was important, and... I think that somewhere in, in that side, be it central defence, central midfielder up front, Newcastle need a bit more of an experienced head than they have. They've got one in goal now, 29-year-old, may not have had much experience at top level, but you can see he offers that reassurance and I think they need another one somewhere on the pitch. Get on to Watford, um, obviously Saturday, both teams realistically got nothing to play for other than you know finishing higher up in the league. Um, interestingly, one of the players in Newcastle after Andrea Gray seems like his career at Watford is probably going to be over this summer. Their manager said, you know, he hasn't really, can't really see him using him past the end of the season. Uh, it hasn't really worked out for him at Watford. It hasn't. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about the intricacies of exactly what has happened there. Obviously, they've had a change of manager. Um, Troy Deeney, start of the season, really out of the team, has, has come back into it. And, I mean, they're a strange team, Watford, mm-hmm. because the more you see of them, the worse they look. I mean, at St James's Park, they were actually excellent and they were better than Newcastle in every department. But the longer the season has gone on, whenever you see them, they just look terrible. But they were never really in any trouble, and they never have been. Um, strange football club, strange football in terms of the the, the ethos behind it, the, the Italian owners, and exactly what they're, they're trying to achieve. Um, Andre Gray, they put a lot of money into that transfer. It hasn't worked out. Seemingly, will be available this summer. I think that Newcastle. We'll probably be looking elsewhere. I don't think Gray would be high up the list in terms of where they'll be looking. I'm pretty sure they'll be looking elsewhere. I mean, I, I heard last summer that basically was somebody that, that they were talking about. I think Graham Carr, before he left, was putting his name in. And Rafa, uh, every time he was named, I think every time they talked about him in the, the transfer meetings, Rafa was kind of bringing up things that Gray couldn't do rather than things that he could do. I think he just didn't think he had the kind of intelligence or the, not the, that, that not intelligence as in mental intelligence he didn't have the football in IQ to maybe do what he wanted him to do he think they'd seen him at Burnley where he'd done he'd done well but they felt like he didn't quite have the what they looked for him to do people slag off Jocelyn but they feel like that Jocelyn would do what they wanted him to do I mean he's not done it particularly well I don't and think he cost him all the praise though he did yeah he did exactly yeah but I don't think Gray I think the time for Gray was last summer, just like probably the time for like a Tammy Abraham was last summer. And I think they'll be looking at a whole bunch of new targets this, this summer. Um, probably a, a loan and then a permanent deal would be my thinking of how Newcastle are going to go. I think they'll, they'll probably go back to Chelsea and, and, and you know try and get a loan in from there. They've got a good relationship with the people at Chelsea as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, what Chelsea do next in terms of that. 
Um, but I think Newcastle will probably look abroad for their striker, main striker target, and maybe try and get a loan, a domestic a loan from the domestic market because they'll still be working in a. I think even if Rafa gets exactly what he wants, it's still going to be a very tight budget in terms of bringing in the quality that he wants. If Rafa gets what he wants, he will. It will be a case of it won't be. I think I would say now if it's Mike Ashley's here, it's not going to be 150 million pound transfer budget. It's going to be a kind of realistic transfer budget I think would be my understanding of it from what I've heard but one that Rafa feels that he can work in if they do the business quickly um, and if he can you know he can use his, his, his contacts because he's got players lined up already it's about um, quality this summer as well not quantity he has the basis of his squad there it's now sprinkling in that, that extra quality that he wants picking up on the Chelsea point interesting reports came out over the weekend regarding Celtic and the anger towards Brendan Rodgers that he's not playing the players adequately that Chelsea want Newcastle and Benitez have shown to Chelsea that, that if you send players here we will make them better we will sign Christian Atsu eventually for, for the fee mm-hmm. or we'll make Kennedy worth four times what he That's was before and so that, that works out well for Newcastle going forward with Kennedy it's still unclear as to whether it works out well because the fee potentially could be high although Newcastle could look for a uh, loan deal again next summer but the fact that that relationship is there Newcastle should be front of the queue for any player Benitez thinks he can help develop yeah it's interesting isn't it because you kind of feel with Chelsea that last summer Newcastle were playing um, a bit of catch up with the other teams in the Premier League but like you said Tammy Abraham's gone to Swansea it hasn't worked out he could should have probably come to Newcastle would have worked out and Newcastle I think probably would have had a different experience at Newcastle than he's had at Swansea and maybe that's the selling point that you need from for the players as well at Chelsea to say come to Newcastle. Kennedy has come. He's you know he was a million miles away at Chelsea, absolutely a million miles away. Whereas now he's you know potentially I mean he's been talked about with some really really big clubs. Um, and I mean he's look I think he, you know if you ask me whether he's worth twenty million pounds, uh, I would say absolutely in the current market hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean I would I would break the transfer record for him if. if there was one player I feel like I wanted them to sign this summer. It would be Kennedy because I really feel he's got he's got everything really that Newcastle kind of need. And on top of that as well, people forget, but um, he didn't come to Newcastle with a reputation for discipline. Really, he didn't look like he wasn't that fit actually when he first came. But he's everything about this loan spell has been a huge success. The player himself deserves massive credit. I think the manager deserves credit for the way that he's worked with him. And that's been a roaring success. And I would think that Kennedy, um, although obviously if Bayern Munich or Liverpool come in, you know, obviously I think he'll probably want to go there rather than Newcastle because of the Champions League and that. But if he has the option to come to Newcastle and it's a realistic deal, I think he would come. Um, but I would love to see that, that become a permanent deal because you know, I think he's been outstanding. His attitude's been first class. Um, and he's changed Newcastle. I think one player, him and Dubravka between them have... have have been huge in this revival in 2018. And I think one one thing Newcastle will explore, I know for a fact they're going to explore, is, is to say to Chelsea, look, if, you, if, if we can't match a fee this summer, if you're not going to get the fee you want, can we have them for a year next year and then we see where we go. Whether that would include an option to buy, I think it's unlikely because, like this happened over these last six months, if Kendi was to come back and have a wonderful season, he'd be worth even more mm-hmm. next year. So, Newcastle are going to try all they can to try and get them, but they realise how difficult a deal it's going to be. But they will, they will be open to all sorts of options, whether it be another loan or what. It's twenty twenty. His contract runs yes, out. Yes, I think I think yeah. he's gone out two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's. Bear in mind, this is a guy who, um, you know, was talked about in Brazil as one of the, 
kind of really promising players that they had there. You know, I mean, the sky is the limit for Kennedy. If he comes to Newcastle, it might be a case. I know we talk about that, you know, it's not being used as a platform for big players anymore. But look, you come to Newcastle, play well for two or three years. If Newcastle haven't progressed as you want them to, and they're not in Europe and doing doing the things that you want them to do, then he, he will have a pick of the, the teams that he wants to go to. Um, so it kind of works out for him. And that's what Newcastle kind of re-established themselves in the Premier League, having Benitez there. This is what we talked about at the start of last season. This is what Benitez and Newcastle established themselves in the Premier League. It opened so many more doors this summer um, you know, for them to buy players. It should be easier, fingers crossed, it should be easier for them this summer, um, provided that Benitez stays and um, the transfer kind of situation is not, is not as complicated as it was last summer. Um, and if there was a takeover, all the better. We'll look ahead um, to the summer and maybe the plans just a moment, just sticking with the Watford game. Yeah, we didn't really answer Sorry, yeah, no, nobody's got any for that. We'll cover all the grounds. I know, that, I know the audience want to hear about transfers and who Newcastle may or may not sign. But, I mean, just briefly on Watford, Chris, do you expect Watford to make those changes that he's been threatening over the last few weeks? I think so. I don't think it's going to be wholesale. I don't think we're going to see like 11 changes or anything like that. But the likes of... Hayden, I think, could get a start. Potentially someone like Kieran Clark, maybe Javier Manquillo, although I'm not 100% sure on that. Maybe Hosselu could get a start up front. I think that there will be two. Well, well, at, well Atsu, Atsu's, if he's still injured, which he, they don't want to take a risk with him, so I think Atsu's unlikely. Uh, Rob Elliott's still being nursing him, do you think he's unlikely? I don't think we're going to see a change in the goalkeeper because he's one of the few players who does have something to play for. He wants to prove that he can earn this move, which seems highly likely it is going to happen. Newcastle are very keen on him. Um, but then Mikel Marino had an injury last week as well, so he might not feature. So there aren't but tons and tons of options for him. But I think we'll see two or three changes. I think Hayden is likely to start because I don't think the midfield that had been brilliant for three months functioned as well last week. I don't think Shelby looks on the form he did before. But whether Hayden and Diome is a midfield balance that would work is, is another question entirely. So... Uh, I, I do expect changes Murphy possibly Murphy yeah, that's yeah although he didn't play brilliantly when he came on did he, he looked a little yeah. bit but the Tiami was a difficult game to come in as well score predictions then for Saturday ones each I don't expect a thriller no I mean you guys have got a terrible record at Vicarage Road but I, I do think they'll play better I think I think they could win I think they could win on Saturday um, and then hopefully get a point from the final two games and finish in the top ten which would be you know, a terrific achievement. Um, yeah, I, I do think they'll they'll play better on Saturday. I think, you know, they can't play as badly really as they did against Everton and West Brom. Fingers crossed. Now, fans four minutes released earlier this week. The the, the mean took place last week. Uh, you guys have both you know looked at it um, throughout. What was for you, Mark, the most interesting points? Well, I mean, I, I think there wasn't a lot of interest, if I'm being honest, in terms of really you know breaking news. My worry about the fans' forum is, is, as it always is, that there's probably a lot more said in that talking shop than is actually ever ever come out. They're very sanitised the minutes. I understand why the club do that, but it, it reads very much like Lee Charlie's gone through with a fine-tooth comb and decided to take any interesting lines out of it. Uh, there was just zero interest in terms of what they'd said um, about the manager. You know, there was, there was stuff about the stadium expansion, which I think a lot of people are getting very... Um, you know, have picked holes in. But I think what happens is when the Newcastle do these fans forums and then bring out the minutes a week after it's happened, 
they just invite scepticism. If it's meant to be an exercise in openness and honesty, why on earth do you then wait a week and why do you sanitise the, the, them by boiling down every, every interesting thing that's said in them? I just think it's, at the moment, it's not really fit for purpose as it is. I appreciate why it's done, but what's the point if you're not communicating it to the wider fan base? There's absolutely no point in having those fans in there because they're, they're on a hiding to nothing because they ask questions that probably we don't ever see, uh, but they're not allowed to talk about them afterwards. Um, you know, whatever whatever kind of points are made in the in the in the fans forum are by the time we see them are so, you know, so sanitised that there's nothing of any interest there really. So it's a frustration for me really because it's a great opportunity for the for hierarchy to actually communicate and, and say and say what's going on at the football club. If it's going to be about you know pies and how the cost of pies and 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 you know and, and away fan tickets and things, then fine. But restrict it to that and make sure it's that don't you know allow people to ask questions about the manager's future and then basically boil it down to something and nothing it was absolutely just pointless so you know there wasn't really anything i think that, that really stood out for me other than why bother doing it the way that they're doing it it just doesn't make any sense and i, I would you know i feel sorry for the people who, who are behind it because i know that it was a, it's a good idea and when it was first thought of and when it was first being launched that was the two days after that Joe Kinnear was appointed the uh, director of football. So it's had a difficult birth and it's been, it's just never really gained any momentum in what it's meant to be. There's been one or two things that have come out that have caused a lot of bother, like the stuff about the FA Cup. And I think last summer there was also the stuff about the uh, bringing you know, the transfer budget and things like that, that have caused disquiet amongst the hierarchy at Newcastle. And I just feel like it, it's, it's just pointless at the moment. It's just, it riles people up, it gets, you know, people then pick apart what's been said in it. The fans who are in there get get criticised because they're not asking the big questions. Um, but it's just pointless. I mean, we've got a standing 20 or 21 questions, I think it was at the start of the season, we put to Newcastle and asked for some responses. They never did that. Um, and, and bear in mind, we have quite a good relationship with Newcastle, generally, I think. It's not, we're not, but they're not clarifying any of the power lines at Newcastle, so we can't trust them um, in terms of how the football club is run because we just don't have any information about how, how it's run. We know that it's not run particularly, you know, to the way that Rafa Benitez wants it to be run because he wants it to be changed. And I think the Fans Forum is a great example of a football club that is a little bit in awe of the owner, so nobody wants to say anything too contentious because if they do, you know, the owner will, will you know, get, they'll be in trouble with the owner, or they'll be in trouble with a kind of Keith Bishop, or a you know, a, somebody who no, doesn't work for the football club but is has the job to make sure that nothing interesting ever comes out. Of that. Mm. Chris, you went through it, and you've I think picked out six or seven questions that you expected to be asked or aren't mentioned in the minutes. And obviously, we we ask this nearly every week, and if Newcastle would like to give us an answer, we'd welcome it. Justin Barnes is always the question that. We just want to know what he does. Is he on the castle's payroll? What is his responsibilities? Well, this is the problem, as Mark says. The scepticism builds because these questions may have even been asked last week. We don't know if they were asked. They may not have been asked. And in that case, the club couldn't have responded to them. But we don't know all of what was said last week. We weren't there. There is no necessarily openness about this. It's gone through fine tooth comb. When you read the minutes, it doesn't even read as a conversation. It just reads as almost like a letter has been sent out and with... with any sort of interest or colour taken out of it whatsoever. So Justin Barnes, what what is his exact role? 
is he a club employee or not? This is one of the ongoing questions we have. It's a very important question because from our understanding, he does play a key role, but that's never been confirmed by the club. So that's one of the questions. There's the whole issue with what's happened with the under-23 setup. Is the academy going to be sorted going forward? Training ground wasn't mentioned, um, whereas for the last few fans' forums, it's been mentioned that it's an ongoing process and that something might happen in the future. We know Rafa Benitez would like the training ground to be revamped. There was nothing about that. There's so there were there were a lot of different issues, but because there isn't this openness, we don't know if the questions were put forward, but they certainly weren't answered. And I just find the the, the response I found strangest was about the expansion of St James's Park because I wouldn't necessarily have an issue if the club came out and all they said was we don't think it's financially viable or a financially viable business opportunity because you'd turn around and say, well, fine, if you don't think that in the short term it's going to make that much of a difference, it's going to cost too much. Or if they said there's plan issues, we don't want to raise hopes before we have these plan issues sorted. But to come out and say that it's because they don't know if they'd sell out, well, they've had a sellout just about every home game this season. Last season in the Championship, they had the same. So it just it, it was an illogical reason for doing it. It almost makes them seem more laughable than necessarily they could have had what seemed like fairly legitimate reasons to say this is why we don't think the club can expand the training ground uh, the, the sorry the ground at this moment in time and so yes I think it was frustrating to go through I'd like to pick out some of the, the positive points which I don't necessarily think needed to come out from the fans forum but did was a the, the food bank and how much has been raised from match day uh, donations £150,000 worth of, of, of money and produce which which is brilliant and shows that Newcastle fans and, and opposition fans who've come to the ground have, have really embraced that initiative and also just talking about the, the foundation the clubs say they don't get enough uh, publicity I think we certainly give them a lot of publicity but maybe in, in other regards they don't we've got a very good relationship with the foundation and it is it is a very very good charity and I, I think that they deserve all the recognition they get and the minutes mentioned about Rafa Benitez obviously you were never going to get he's going to get X amount to spend uh, you know they said talks about transfers ongoing now being all season if that is the case then we shouldn't be like you mentioned before waiting to the last week of August to see some movement then the problem is that the talks were ongoing um, last from the last from two summers ago into January talks were ongoing they had the discussion with Lee had the discussions with Lee Charnley about what they were going to try and do um, and it was really you know the problem with, with Newcastle the transfer window is um, Mike Ashley hovers over it and you know he he basically holds the keys. We heard last last January that really nothing was decided until Mike Ashley came back from holiday and intervened and said, oh, well, go and get a striker and go and get the players that you want, um, which, the, which then took another two weeks. So that that's the problem that Newcastle have and that's the problem that Rafa is trying to find out, you know, look, what is going on here? What is the situation with this? Because I think he's, it's just his frustration, really, that it just doesn't... When he says we need to run it, the football operations need to change that's what he means he means why is it that I'm having discussions here with Lee Charnley and that and I'm getting told that one thing's going to happen and then I'm having to wait because either Justin Barnes or Mike Ashley are then going to intervene we're waiting for their for them to give the green light for me to actually be able to do this business that is what he wants that is the central question that he wants he wants answered and of course you're not going to you're not going to hear Lee Charnley who I think was the one answering those questions in the fans forum, although you know another problem is that nobody's ever quoted in the fans forum. So it's just the club said this. Well, or LC says, but else, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't direct. It's not yeah. a direct quote. So you know, and I think that that's a there's a very good reason for that because he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want quotes thrown back in, and that's 
I think that's the problem. It's very easy to say discussions are ongoing, you know, it's such a catch-all phrase. Um, but the, 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 the interesting thing about that was as well that the fans forum took place before Rafa's press conference and they can't possibly have said, as, as the manager said in public, because he didn't confirm until Friday that negotiations had begun. So that's where all this confusion comes in because... Yes, subsequently the manager has confirmed that, but when the fans' forum was taking place, the justification for, you already know, talks around going can't have been the case because the week before, Benitez said he hadn't sat down with the club yet and he wanted to, and it was the Friday, which was after the fans' forum took place, that it actually did begin. So all these things are rather confusion. I also found the term transfer pot a bit jarring compared to the rest of it, which was all sort of management speak or nothing really in it, and then use pot of money, which just seemed strange compared to the rest of it. Just yeah. was a bit bizarre the whole round of it. There was a central disagreement there, I think, between Rafa and the management was hinted at in the, in the uh, fans forum because it was said that the money that was made available to Rafa was for wages and signing on fees and agents fees as well. And I think that we now subsequently, I think, realised that the big problem last summer was that um, Rafa was under the impression that, that money was uh, for transfer fees and for kind of you know signing on fees and things like that. Whereas Newcastle put it in for wages and you know because basically to pay the contracts. So when he was going to clubs and talking about contracts and things, and they were asking for a five-year contract, they couldn't afford those players because that was money that was factored into the transfer fee, and, and that was a you know a big oversight really, and not a you know not a good way of running running a football club. Um, and you know it's all it's all down to Newcastle. This this something that they have to make sure that. They're all on the same page um, because they're not going to get lucky as they have done this season with with the way that things have worked. You know they've been lucky really. Teams will work them out next season. They've all, you know, can already see the last two games that teams have worked out a way to stop Newcastle getting on Shelby and you and you stop them. Um, they've got to have other options. They've got to have other options next season. And if Kennedy doesn't come, you know that's one less match winner they've got. They looked ordinary before Christmas. Um, and that is the thing, you know. Newcastle can sit there and talk about finances, and you make, you know, you've spent much. That's fine, but they have to find a way to arm Rafa with a competitive squad this summer, or they're going to be in trouble again. You see, we're yeah. still waiting for the account as well, which was another thing. And I just said, when it's, it's typical Newcastle, and I don't want to get into a rant, but it's typical Newcastle United that everything is late or everything. It's a tortuous path from something. From deciding something happens to it actually happening. Pre-season is a great example, right? Well, I guarantee you will wait until whenever to really late for them to confirm pre-season because that happens every year. Yeah. Other top clubs have their pre-season plans in place very early on so that fans can book where they're going to do, the team know where they're going, and you can basically sit down and, and work out what's going to happen. What's going to be announced? Is it frustrating because... Rafa is very particular, so he'll probably already have an idea of, or a location of where he'll want to go. Well, the summer that went down, even before Rafa's future was was determined, he'd already sorted out where pre-season was, but mm-hmm. again, we didn't find out until the last minute. Last season, he'd done the same. I know he's already putting plans in place. It's not 100% confirmed by the scenes yet, but again, he is already looking at these things. So, in theory, it's 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 not even for, it's for, it's for fans. They just... if. It, it, the, the likelihood of Newcastle haven't been in Europe last year so they'd like to go back there under Rafa but just fans enjoy pre-season they've missed football for two months they want to go to Spain or they want to go to Germany or wherever and just make it slightly easier for them I don't know why you wouldn't want your fans oh, to be there it's like the game in Spain uh, in, in the middle of the season I mean how late was that 
confirmed when it was, we all knew that that was going to happen, but it confirmed it really late um, in comparative terms. The fans couldn't go over it. You just think like, come on, you know, just be a bit more proactive, be a bit more dynamic in terms of just allowing these things to happen, getting them signed off early. Um, you know, we'd love to see kits out early. You know, Everton have already got their kit on sale. You know, Newcastle fans will buy the kits, but you have to put them out early. Don't wait until them in. Does it, does it kind of highlight where Mike Ashley kind of stands because Rafa has more than hinted that he'd be happy to stop. Mike Ashley could just land his helicopter. You said yesterday you spotted a helicopter you thought that might be him. could quite easily head up the bed and say, right, what do you want? Let's talk face to face and get it sorted within 24 hours, 48 hours. But there's a feeling that we are going to be waiting another month, six weeks maybe. Well, for a start, Mike Ashley doesn't seem to be involved in these discussions. It seems to be Lee, Lee Charlie um, you know, I, I think I said last week there wasn't. But then asked, after that, how much is, is Rafa Benitez, is Meg Ashley involved? And he said, no, we've had some congratulations from but the, the discussions are between my representatives and Lee Charney. So Meg Ashley isn't directly But then what happens? That's that's the point I'm making. Well, that's why the stories today about written assurances, which, you know, I think have been, you know, our colleagues at the Mirror have, have written that. Um, that's probably where that comes in. It's whether, it's how these guarantees are kind of arrived at. Um, you know, two years ago, bear in mind, two years ago, it was Lee Charlie dealing directly with Rafa, and Rafa got over everything that he wanted, and it, and it was the first transfer window, really, where you thought Newcastle were moving dynamically. So I, this is why I've never really gone for Lee Charlie as a, you know, a, a, as the villain of the piece, as others maybe have tried to portray him, because I think that if he, if he um, was given free reign to do what he wanted to do and was given the option to do it, I think Newcastle would be run. In a better way, I really do. I, I, you know, having met Lee Charnley and, um, you know, and, and people who work with him, I mean, he's, you know, he, he is. I think he definitely wants the best for Newcastle United. But it's difficult when you're working in an organisation where the owner wants to sell it, um, and we, you know, or if he doesn't want to sell it, he certainly makes the noises to say he wants to sell it, which then justifies the lack of movement in terms of transfers and infrastructure and stuff like that. And that's where the problem comes. And, and I just. The reason Mike Ashley won't land his helicopter on the lawn and say you've got what you want is because I think he's sceptical about if he just lets them spend. I think he, I think he, what he'll say is you, you have, similar to what he did last summer, you, you can have every single penny that the football club makes, but it's on his terms that he thinks about how the club makes money. So, you know, Rafa might turn around and say, well, I'm going to get £120 million prize money, etc., etc., although it's not all because some of it comes in charge before. Um, so he, he, you know, that that would be what Rafa would say. Well, I'll get this X amount of money from staying in the Premier League, but Mike Ashley would have a different notion of how that money is generated. And of course, you know, we hear that the source is very high up at Newcastle, informing journalists that you know, look, when people talk about Sissoko money and all this, it comes in chunks and things. And Newcastle have a different perception of the money that they have available than. The fans who say where's the money and us in fact demanding to know where the money's gone and even Rafa because they say there wasn't really any money last summer. But this is the this is the problem with 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 the whole idea of openness. If they were open, if all of that information was available to supporters so that they could access that, a bit of honesty can, can go a long way. And this is almost my concern with, with the accounts eventually come out. We know they're going to be bad. So, so just release them and we know that this is from a year ago and I know fans are going to go oh, well he's been in the Premier League for a year but then you have more of an idea of the situation they've been in for the last year and it's the fact that this doesn't come out and then from fans forums these things are hindered at but never 
made 100% clear and I just think that that's where some of these problems do arise and it, it, it's frustrating because I think that the club aren't doing themselves any favours mm-hmm. because I think that it would create more of an understanding about the situation. Newcastle fans don't look forward to the end of the season because there's a history under Mike Ashley and it goes back to when they were promoted from the Championship, not the last time but the time before, where they released that very long mission statement which said there'll be no capital outlay in players and it just created this really negative atmosphere for the whole summer and then they actually went and signed Czech Teoti and then Arthur um, and had a good, pretty good summer in terms of recruitment. Um, so they kind of like, there's, there's this real distrust. I think Newcastle have a real um, distrust of talking too much about what they're going to do in the transfer windows because then it becomes, you know, it becomes harder for them. And they, and, and they know, I think, that they can't match the expectations of what everybody up here wants. I think Lee Charlie knows that he can't do that. What they need is new owners who can come in and arm Rafa with a competitive transfer budget um, that will get them into the top eight of the Premier League. And I still feel like I feel like he could do that with the money that he's probably going to get, but he will have to be. He'll have to. Everything will have to canny. fall into place. Be very canny. He'll have to be really kind of. The problem that they have as well, and sorry, this is the last thing I'm going to say on the, uh, on the money situation, but the problem that they have is that they also now have, because they signed a load of mediocre players last summer, they now have a lot of players in that squad sitting on a wage that they can't get rid of, of the wage that they want to. They've got Jocelyn on another year's contract. They've got Mankio on another two years, is it? I think it's two years, yeah. Neither of them really would have any part to play in it. Newcastle that's going to work really well. They've got Christian Atsu there who, you know, look, I know he's not been too bad, but again, you want to be upgrading from Atsu if you're going to move on, but he's got another long contract because they had to sign players. To get, they had to get bodies in, you know, they had to get bodies in. So they ended up signing, you know, some players that aren't really, you know, but they're not going to be able to get rid of them. They're not going to get, who's going to come in and buy Jocelyn? Do you, do you think that then Benitez, if Sia might actually then say, well, Look, you sign Jocelyn, you sign Natsu. Do you think Benitez will turn around and go, "Well, I had to. I, I needed bodies." I think. I think what I think he'll he'll end up probably loaning out Jocelyn, Marquio, and probably stay in the squad. But what what he'll what he'll hope is that this is the reason why when people kind of say, oh, "Why did we loan Mitrovic?" Well, Mitrovic's value's gone up exponentially through what he's done at Fulham, so that will be a massively important sale um, to fund their transfer business. So. You, you'll end up that will be what will happen is that they'll end up trying to sell players that have done okay this season so I think again you know we talked about it last summer and he didn't end up he wasn't able to end up doing it because he needed the players in because he needed the bodies but you'll end up I think and I know Dwight Kale doesn't want to leave but I think he'll try and sell Dwight Kale I think he'll try and sell Mitch Rich I think he'll probably try and sell maybe one or two of the other kind of fringe guys you know yeah, a goalkeeper might go um, something on those that sells, you know, all of these players, that'll be how they'll try and supplement their, their transfer fund because he has probably got enough players in now to be able to, to sell those guys. But it, it's, it doesn't help if you don't give him the money because then he has to sell, he has to sign players who are maybe not worth the contract that they're sitting on. So, you know, they've already got, they've got too many players in that squad that aren't good enough and aren't going to play. Um, you know, Jocelyn's barely figured in 2018, and I think that says a lot about what Rafa really thinks about Jocelyn, which is that, yeah, he's a body. He was a body this season. Uh, Chris, final question. Ideally, when do you think Benitez's future needs to be sorted by? The end of next week would be preferable, or certainly 
you know, by the end of the season will be preferable or, or at least very soon afterwards. We had the situation last year where Mike actually did come up in, in, his, in his helicopter, which was denied at the time, but he did come up in his helicopter and then uh, thrashed out with Benitez over a day exactly what had to happen. A statement came out which seemed very positive, although a few negatives soon started to filter out in, in the weeks that came afterwards, the likes of Graham Carr and and whatnot. So I think that that will be preferable certainly by the end of May because it's a shorter transfer window. There's the World Cup to factor in. Things need to be sorted as quickly as possible and Newcastle want to get deals in early. My understanding, having spoken the FA today, is that the transfer window officially opens on June the 8th. So that gives us a month until it opens effectively a month from now. So Newcastle want to try and get things done early if you can. And before the World Cup, if there's some players who they're looking at are going there to try and avoid money there. So I'd like to think that in the next two or three weeks that these things can be resolved but if Benitez does want things in writing it may take a little bit longer and Mark do you think that's a realistic aim um, season? no think, Newcastle I, I think knowing Rafa he'll push he'll push the point to the point where like he'll he'll want to know I think the problem comes that as Chris said last se- last summer we did seem to have confirmation that he was going to stay he was happy and then it didn't it, it unraveled pretty quickly after that so I think my worry is that no matter what happens, the proof will be in the pudding. I think that Rafa will fudge the issue. I don't think. I, I can't see him saying a contract extension until he starts to see some movement. I think it will be unlikely that whenever a statement does come out, it'll be unless he thinks he's got these iron, these cast iron guarantees. I think that he might almost say, "Show me you're going to do what I want first, and then I'll say." I don't think he'll put his name to a statement this time. I don't think he'll put his name to a statement at all. I don't. Th- I think what will happen is that he'll fudge the issue tomorrow at his press conference, fudge the issue again on Wednesday and say we're talking, and then in the final game of the season he'll do what he did last season, which was kind of say anything can happen in football and it'll be a bit like that. He'll go away, we won't hear from him for a while, we'll probably hear from people close to him and people at the club, and it will be very much a case of nobody will say anything definitive until we know until we start to see bodies coming in and then it'll be the later we go into the summer because from Rafa's point of view he's got another year left on his contract there's no urgency he's not got an offer from anybody else so he's not going to leave he's not going to quit um, no matter what he's told I he's think Rafa will be here next season yeah. it's, it's, it's unless he gets an offer unless, unless he gets an offer it would have to be a very good offer yeah. unless he gets an offer and hasn't heard what he needs to hear but I think that what we saw last summer of the kind of like it seemed like a definitive he wanted to put it to bed and say I'm going to be here next season he won't do that this time because it, it, it you know it didn't work last time and he felt that that was kind of used against him a little bit and of course you know they've got all these stipulations in the contract so I think probably it will be a fudge until we start to see definitive transfer business come through but you know there's enough people around Rafa there's enough people in his camp that let you know when things aren't happy or when things are happy I think that's part of the problem actually that's happening with Newcastle that's not kind of criticism of Rafa but it's just you know there's a lot of people around Rafa who like to um, tell everybody what, what his thoughts are um, which is kind of queried the pitch a little bit at times in Newcastle so I hate to say it but I think he'll be a creative so we won't have a definitive answer um, and of course we haven't even talked about takeovers um, which you know is, is the other kind of Thing that could happen, you know, we don't know. No matter state, these people keep saying that they're, they're still interested. Um, I think that Mike actually asking for four hundred million pounds probably nixes that one, but they still say they're interested. 
club's still up for sale, which they did say in the minutes, they did say the club's still up for sale. So that's all floating around the background and um, that could be either a good thing in that they get taken over or a bad thing in terms of Mike Ashley uses that as an excuse as I think has happened in the last year. It's kind of not an excuse, but it's a it's a variable that you use to say, well, why would I bother investing in this, that, and the other when the club might be taken over? Can I just make one point away from all no. of this? Just, just on... I think we've said quite legitimately a lot of negative things there about Newcastle. One thing I think that they've done today, which they've said they're going to do for a while, and I think is a good initiative, is is to do with the Everton rescheduling of, of that game and how it was less than a month beforehand. Tickets had already gone on sale and the club had already uh, reimbursed those fans who bought tickets and couldn't go to the game anymore. And now they're offering the chance for fans to apply for what they call, I think it's financial, uh, I can't remember, I can't remember, gesture I think is, is the term that they're using, basically fans can go on and if they couldn't refund any accommodation or travel for that Saturday to go across then they can put it towards the club and the club will take it on a case by case basis and potentially reimburse them to a certain extent and I think that's a good, that's above and beyond what they have to do, mm-hmm. there's no reason why they need to do that and, and I think that once they do get that, if a lot of fans who have been left out of pocket from this, I think that Newcastle privately I've been told will potentially make representations to the Premier League and say look this is how much fans are being left out of pocket you can't leave these things out late again because it, it was it was ludicrous that situation yeah totally agree with Chris on that one and I think what's nice is that it's not a big amount of money probably to Newcastle United but um, it'll mean a lot to the fans you know if it's 20 quid 30 quid here and there you know it's it's, it's a decent amount of money if you're going to away games and the match was terrible as well so. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's really good. And I, I do think that's the thing, you know, when you talk about Newcastle United, we do end up kind of focusing on, you know, the, the frustrations that we have with Newcastle. There's so many good people working at Newcastle United, you know, and there really is, and there's so many people trying to make things work. Things are getting better off the pitch in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, some really good people working at Newcastle. And that's why it's so frustrating, really, that you just have this thing at the top that. If that just flowed down, the club could really kick on. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. Why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?